there's just like an infinite black hole holster back there for every video game character that they that's where they keep all their stuff is inside their butt. Episode 88 of the Underground Podcast, where we talk about Siege, what we like about Siege. Hello and welcome to Siege. I'm Chris. I'm Freezy. And we have something different going on today. So Ryan is not here this week. It's very sad, although that means automatically it will be a better podcast without him. Um, He had a baby this last week. So obviously, for some reason, there's like this weird, like there's more important things to attend to when you have a third child. I don't understand it that much, but he's a dad. Freezy's a dad. That is true. So maybe, maybe they, maybe they get some leeway. Um, but yeah, we have Frazy on the podcast today. So we are, we have a special segment today. We're doing technical siege questions. So I'll let Frazy introduce himself in just a second. But we have technical siege questions, which are basically questions about the technicalities of siege, like in the kind of game development side of it and the artistic side of it, and some questions about that. And he will use his expertise in answering those. Um, we're going to talk about. Um, we have an announcement to talk about play days in just a second here that we'll talk about. We're going to talk about some of the TTS patch notes. There's not like a ton going on there because most of it's just kind of bug fixes since the first set of patch notes that we've already really talked about. Um, and then we'll get into our Discord discourse, which came out about a month ago, which one is about the default skins or having an option to have only showing default skins. So we'll have some fun uh, discussion there. And then we will move on to the listener questions of the podcast. So Frazy, introduce, tell us, tell us why we have you here to explain <laughs> technical siege questions. Okay, so I am a 3D artist, and I've been doing that for eight or nine years at this point. Currently, I work at NetherRealm Studios, a game studio who makes Mortal Kombat and Injustice fighting games. So I have a pretty good, I have a pretty good idea about what goes into game development. So even if I don't have a direct experience, I can give pretty good guesses. So I'll be addressing everyone's technical questions today. Um, and you, you mostly work on Mortal Kombat, is that right? Yes. Do you, do, do you ever do anything for anything else, or is it just specifically? So while I've been there at that studio, I've worked on the tail end of Injustice 2 and pretty much the entirety of Mortal Kombat 11 and all of its DLC. Cool. Way cool. Okay, so we have Frazy to discuss everything about Siege. He obviously has good experience for us. But this is this is basically better than having one of the siege developers themselves on the show. So. I wouldn't say that, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I beg but, to differ. I mean, I will field questions that they can't. So Yeah, that's this is true. He also will probably talk about how I slam the art team very frequently on, on Siege Phrase. He plays with us all the time. So really it, <laughs> it's just a slight to him because I know he enjoys it. Um before we move on too much, we have to mention that this podcast is sponsored by Ma Energy. That's drinkma.com slash r6pod. You get a free trial. It's good stuff. I drink it before I do Siege, and it makes me better at Siege. I mean, you look at my KD ratios this season. I've been drinking Ma the whole time, and it's kind of, I mean, I'm cracked. So, Listen, obviously. I can't argue with the fact that you drink Ma, and you have a better KD than me. No. That's true. Some... So, that obviously means... It has to be because of mom. Like, that's just, that's obvious. But that's just anyway. It, yeah, it is. It exactly is. Um, we do have an announcement, though. So Ryan and I have been talking about ways to 
kind of interact with the community more. We've been trying to be on the Discord a little more often. Um, and we thought it would be with, along with some moderators, we kind of came up with an idea of it would be really fun is if every every other Wednesday, so the, so the Monday that the podcast comes out, that Wednesday we'll have kind of a community play day. And instead of it being like our old community play days where we'd kind of like play, kind of play Siege together and then we'd like mix up and do like random like game types and stuff. What we're going to do is we're just going to kind of have a rivalry between me and Ryan. So I'm going to be on one team. Ryan's going to be on another team. We're just going to randomize everybody else. And we're going to do three matches every Wednesday night. We'll do three matches or every other Wednesday night. We'll do three matches with the community kind of mixed around on different teams playing with Ryan and I. And we will, Ryan and me, and we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see who's really better at the game. Obviously, my team's going to win probably more often than Ryan's team's going to win. But that's, again, I mean, I guess we're both drinking Ma, but so I guess we'll see who's more Ma. The question of when will the next play day be will finally be answered. Yes, that is that is finally the answer. As far as console goes, that's still a question that's up in the air, and we don't know but, the answer to it. No, we know but, the answer to it, which is never. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if they, have, if they, this is this is our thing. If they fix custom games to where it's super easy to get in there and just start a match, we will we will do play days on Xbox all the time. Maybe. But. <laughs> it's just it's so hard with how siege has it it's just so hard but anyway I have a challenge for, be... you, though, for your the first one which is you and ryan both have to play the mains of your brother oh interesting yeah so that means ryan would have to play valkyrie mm-hmm. i would have to be playing maestro ryan would have to I'd have to play thatcher which is a nerf this coming season so that's not fair <laughs> and Ryan would be playing. I guess Ryan would try to be playing Callie. That could that could be good for us, actually. That could be good for me. That is interesting. Anyway, it'll be fun. It'll be a really good time. So that's that will start this Wednesday. I'm I'm pretty sure we will do that this Wednesday, and then every other Wednesday starting from there. And it will just kind of be first come first serve. If if someone has played in the last community play day, and there's someone else that's new there that hasn't played yet, we'll cycle them in every match. We'll try to cycle people through if there's people waiting. Um, but yeah, it'll be three matches. It'll be best of three between me and Ryan, and then community will switch on teams, and it'll just kind of be first come, first serve, and we'll and maybe rotate. Maybe we can uh, make a channel and have people submit clips to it just of uh, their favorite parts of the session. Yeah, we we will probably do that. The Discord's getting some new rules and stuff, so be on the lookout for that. It might be out by the time you're listening to this podcast, but we have some fun stuff coming up. TTS patch notes. It's mainly bug fixes. That's what we've seen is bug fixes from the first set of patch notes which is usually what it's like the first week of the tts the first couple days is where they really make the changes and like they do some different things and they listen to feedback and then from then out it's just bug fixes and bug fixes and bug fixes um i don't know if you've noticed crazy but the at least the subreddit and a lot of twitter has been freaking out the whole entire time that one times one x scopes aren't on all the operators universally yeah i've Notice there is a tremendous amount of complaints when it comes to this site, and it seems to be inconsistent about what those complaints are. But I think the most reasonable one to me is the fact that there needs to be a more uniform way of having what sites on what operator, especially 1Xs. Honestly, this was a problem for longer than just now. Like before, Frost only had the red dot until relatively recently in terms of the length of Siege. Yeah, and then they true. gave her the alternate holographic. Yeah, and that made that didn't make any sense at all. And I'm surprised that didn't get more. I remember when it first came out, 
it was kind of like, why doesn't she have access to more sites? And then it kind of just died off. And I'm surprised that didn't remain like a big topic for a long time because that, it, that was really stupid. <laughs> it's not like an it's not like she's an operator that's overpowered and needs to be less comfortable to play. Right. And that's the right. thing is one X's should be comfort, right? Some people like the reflex, some people like holographic, some people are wrong. And so it's just a comfort thing. No, yeah, it totally is. I, um, for example, a lot of people like the new the MH1 Hollow, the one that's like the thin line and the dot in the middle. Mm-hmm. I don't like that one over the regular Hollow or like the Vortex Hollow. I like those a lot better just because I feel like the line, like for me personally, for my comfort, I feel like the line like makes me think the whole thing is like a a bullet. Like I don't know why, but I just can't <laughs> like I can't get the center of it. It doesn't feel like it's centered, so. I don't like it, but a lot of people love that scope. So I should be able to have the option and be like, I don't like that hollow, but I like this hollow. But they did say that were they were open to changes and then it wasn't a final thing. So hopefully they will figure out a way that's not cluttered and is comfortable. Right, exactly. I think that's their uh, one of their biggest things is they don't, they're afraid of the clutter. I mean, even when Fuse had like the billion sites because he had the NATO <laughs> sites and he had the Russian optics and then he had a bunch of different sites and it was like, holy moly. He had so much to choose from that it was kind of like it was just a lot and you were just like i don't know what to pick so i totally remember, get that side of them i just had this blast from the past remember when attachments used to cost renown yeah yeah it was crazy i want that game in siege mm-hmm. already like map bands re- reinforcement pool like there's just some stuff that i just and doc losing his acog i cannot wait for that speaking of doc and hollows or doc and acogs by the way last night we were playing Siege. We were playing Ranked. Mm-hmm. And we randomly matched up against the Hardstuck podcast in a Ranked yes. match at like 2 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> and it was really fun. Wait, what? <laughs> what about your segue? Like, what does that have to do with Doc? <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it does have to do with Doc. Because, sorry, the night before, yeah, I don't know how that segue was going to work out. <laughs> I didn't explain how it was going to work out. The Speaking night before, Doc, our couple... Something different. <laughs> a couple nights before we were playing with mythic and he was using doc and he was spawn peeking out of consulate and it was it was the most disgusting thing i've ever seen in my life i hate spawn peeks and so obviously we're playing against them and he's playing doc and he's spawn peeking and there was a call like watch connector window and i thought that was like doc's on connector window but he had just hit a bunch of windows open and he let Capital. he was peeking out of the console office windows. He let Capital run by and he was waiting for Thermite. And now he's playing Thermite. And so Capital runs by and I'm like, okay, well, there's a call connector. I'm on this side. Capital just ran by, so I'm safe. So then I start running. I'm kind of like looking at Illidor and I get spawn peeked from the freaking console office windows with Doc on NACOG and it's Mythic. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you're freaking kidding me. This is, this is disgusting. I hate this. I got to talk about how that game started, though, because we, you know, matched up into, into a match. And just like normal and then was it you that was just like wait a minute is that mythic like the real yeah. mythic yeah it was me and then we noticed like gohan was on too and was like oh my gosh what is what is this what have we done i turned on text chat for once and then i both i think both of us hopped into their discord briefly to just egg them on and then we went at it for the maximum possible rounds we did we <laughs> I threw one of the rounds and I'm still mad about it. And I went back and watched it. And every single time I watch it, I'm just like, I can't believe I let that happen. We had we had sight clear. I had diffuser. I was thermite. Mythic was playing in Bosco's spot. And I was like, I'm just going to shoot him from below because there's no one down here. They're not watching the hatch right now. And he's, <laughs> he's on a camera. He's smoke on a camera. I'm just going to shoot him from below real quick. 
and I'm thermite with a kit and I just got the call like, hey, maybe we should plant sites kind of clear. And I walk in and I die because there was someone, there was a Jaeger, it was Gohan playing in piano and he killed me. And I was like, dang it, I just lost kit and circle desk. Yeah. And that's so, the round. Backstory, Chris just started playing Hard Breach and picking up the diffuser like a responsible person. So maybe we'll, <laughs> so he's not used to carrying the diffuser and he just walked True. in with it. <laughs> I did, uh, and it sucked. It through that round, and we were we were up three one, and that was going to be like round over. We're going to win four one, and we ended up having to win five four. I was yeah, but, I was going to start that round with being like, ah, oh, who's who's the better who's the better team here? But then it went into a slugfest. Uh, hot tip to everyone out there: if you're carrying the diffuser and you're going to do something dangerous, drop it before you do, so someone can yes. pick it up safely. Because we ended up all dying because of that. Just because the yep. diffuser got dropped inside. Yep. You can't do that. You cannot do that. That is, that's another one of those like smaller things that will differentiate like a really, really good siege player from someone that, does, or just someone that normally picks up the diffuser and someone that doesn't is they will drop the diffuser before they do something stupid because they'll realize I have kit and I can't die with kit. Because I, you realize I have kit, I can't die with kit in like a really stupid spot. So you just, you don't do that. You drop it and you'll realize those are the better players that like have the, like mine to be like okay i gotta drop this before mm-hmm. i do something dumb a lot of people um, ask how to be better at siege and if you're solo queuing or you're, if you're queuing with a small amount of people an important thing is the first thing you do when the start of a round on, on attack is think what's the most likely place that they're going to be and you form an initial strategy you choose an operator based on that strategy and then you quickly see you go to the screen, the end screen of your character choice, and you pick up the diffuser because you <laughs> want to have somebody that knows they have the diffuser, which is you, and then you want to be responsible with it. And if you do those things, you're going to perform a lot better. Yeah. And then also, like the guy with Kit, you have a little more like say in, like, hey, I have Kit. I kind of want to plant here. Can we do this? And the team's like, oh, he wants to plant. Like, he's got a plan. Like, yeah, I'll come help you do that. Like, it's more likely instead of trying to be like, hey, this person, can you come over here and plant? So that's that's totally true. That's a good, that's a really good point. Um, but yeah, anyway, that was a really fun ranked match. It was totally random that we ran into them. And then, I mean, obviously it was random, but the chances. like, Yeah, it was the sweatiest and funnest game I've had for a long time. <laughs> yeah, it was way more stress. My heart rate got to 165 <laughs> beats per minute at one, at one point. It was, and... it was very fun. When it looked like we were winning and then they started bringing it back, was it you or Ryan that said, we can't lose this, otherwise Mythic will not let us live it down? I think it was Ryan that said that, (laughs) which is probably Uh, true. (laughs) To be fair, I think they probably would have beat us if they had a fourth like we did. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I don't don't think there's much else. Oh, the, the actually a really cool thing with the TTS patch notes. They came out and after like only two days of people really being like the new sensitivity is throwing everyone off and nobody knows exactly like where to put their sensitivities to make it feel like before they came out with a sensitivity calculator. So you can go in and you can put in your old sensitivities and your old FOV and your ratio and everything and it will correct that will correct the sensitivity for you to tell you like what the numbers need to be on each site to make it feel like it currently does in the live build. So that's actually super, super nice and something that console players should be aware of because that that sensitivity calculator is out there to change your sensitivities to make it feel like it currently does well that's something everyone should be aware of because i think 
the default is going to be different than the way it used to feel like. So yeah, yeah, yeah. if you wanted to feel like the way that you're used to, you're going to have to use the calculator. I yeah. assume it's going yeah. to do the thing where it does it for you once, but it's still something you should check out. It's basically yeah. like a, a Google Sheets that you Google make sheet, a yep. copy of and then edit. Yep. It's very nice. And that was actually very well done on their part to quickly be like, oh yeah, we do need to make sure that it feels the same for players. So let's make a, let's go out of our way to make a Google Sheet for them and have them. That, that was cool. That was really good. Yeah. That's good. Um, okay. We are about to go into our technical siege questions part of the podcast. We're also going to talk about aspect ratios. And I didn't mention this before, but we have we have a good amount to talk about with aspect ratios. So we're going to talk about that too. That will come right after technical siege questions. But we're going to go to our sponsor real fast and then we will hop into technical siege questions. Okay, crazy. Technical siege questions. These are questions from people in the lovely Discord. The Discord is a place that you should be if you're not there already. Just search Unrenowned Discord on Google or go to our Twitter at R6 Unrenowned. We have it in the description. And it's it's a good place to be. You can you can find people to play with. This is how we're gonna get people to play with for our community play days that we're doing every other Wednesday now. Um I mean, it's a fun time. It, this is how we found Justin Friendly. It's true. So it's good. Um okay, to hop right in into our technical questions for Justin Friendly. I'm just gonna answer the very I'm not gonna answer the very first question. Well, I'll give you a chance to answer the first question, <laughs> but I'll answer it for you. Hey, it's Mythic asks, why is an unfriendly diamond yet? That's my question for the segment. I would say because he's not good enough. Is that <laughs> accurate? Uh, so I've been playing Siege f since the closed alpha. And the real answer is that I didn't spend all of that time playing it. I got came off and on the game, uh, which is kind of similar to your experience. Yep. And... But the better question or the better answer is that I spend roughly three to five times more time making art and things along that nature than I do playing games. So what I'm really good at is my job. That time that I'm talking about three to five times more is outside of work. So that's stuff I'm doing on my my own time. He does like he does like art. He there there have been times that I've messaged him, hey, let's play siege, and he says, I'm working on an art project right now. And I say, Okay. <laughs> I guess. Um, but I will say this, like having, I've, we've played since the closed beta and crazy is obviously since the alpha, but even through all that time, I put less time into the game than some like pro players that have started playing since like operation health or like operation velvet shell or something. And they put like thousands of more hours into it than I have. And I'm like, man, what do you yeah. do? <laughs> I mean, that's their full-time job. So that's what they do. I guess, they, yeah. do it all day. they do it all day long, but it's kind of crazy. It's, and there's there's also something to be said about like how your time goes into siege. Like some players would be like, "Oh, I'm only level 160 and I'm plat two. It's like, "Yeah, but you've only been playing since Operation Parabellum, so all of your time is up to level 160 from Parabellum until now, whereas my time is spread out from closed beta until now. So like you having all your time smushed together. Yeah, that significantly helps your growth in the game, oh, yeah. and that's with yeah. anything you practice. Like if you practice the piano once a month versus, and you do that for three years, you're going to be worse than the guy that practices every day for three months, forty days in a row. Oh yeah, like thirty-six like days in a row. Anyway, um, okay, let's actually get to like an actual, real technical <laughs> question. Um, 
our first one that's actually real comes from Steve Steel Switch. He asks, let's say in the game, operators can carry two primary weapons, basically eliminating the pistol and replacing it with a submachine gun or a long barrel shotgun. How hard would it be to change the character models to reflect the new secondary, to reflect the new selected secondary hanging off of them? So this is a really good question. And the answer is that if they were actually going to make it so that the gun would hang on the body like both guns, it would be kind of difficult. But here's a trivia question for everyone out there. Where does your primary gun go when you switch to your secondary or other gadget? And I'll give you a sec- few seconds. I know the answer, but <laughs> you did because you told me. Okay, so the primary gun goes where everything goes besides your pistol, which is nowhere. It disappears. Uh, so it actually wouldn't be that hard from how the game currently works because you would just draw it out of nowhere and then put it back into nowhere. Uh, this is a common thing that's done in games because it lets you do things like carry two reinforcements and a bunch of barricades and, and a deployable shield and all of your gadgets and guns without <laughs> them all being on your body. Uh, imagine someone that actually was carrying all that stuff on them and how ridiculous they would look. And so it's just an easy way of being able to increase your functionality without having it on your body. There so yeah, are I, technical... I've never, I've never noticed that it just disappears. Like I've yep. never, and since you said that, like I've noticed like, oh yeah. And then I've noticed like the games do this all the time. Like in Smash Brothers, all the time they'll pull out some random thing and they'll throw it at something. It's like, where did that come from? And it just yeah. like, the stuff just disappears. The way that most of the time it gets hidden is characters will draw it from behind them in the perspective of the camera. So if you look at a lot of games and stuff, uh, characters will draw stuff from where their like butt is. So there's just like a there's just like an infinite black hole holster back there for every video game character that they that's where they keep all their stuff is inside their butt. <laughs> uh, if they were going to mount guns like primary guns on the character, there's one of two ways of doing it. So a lot of games out there do like a generic on the back placement and it's just kind of floats there. There's nothing connecting it to them. Uh, So you can go about the trouble of either having a holster on there. So I think like Red Red Dead Redemption does this where there's like a holster back there where the long gun goes. Or you can do a strap that is attached to the... Rifle, I think a really good example of this is Metal Gear Solid 5, where Snake has it holstered on the front, which is especially difficult, and then he puts it on his between his body and his arm and crawls and stuff. But there's a lot of hard things, and most of it comes down to animation and physics of straps, because they can get weird when it's interacting with the body and the gun, and it's just easier to not do any of those things. So Yeah, so is it just it's it's basically the reason they do that is for ease, right? Yeah. Like it just saves a bunch of time. So, for example, in at Nether Realm, all the characters have what we call cloth. So, like basically bits of their costume that hang down and have physics on them. So it's not hand animated like the body is. It has just generated physics that the game engine is doing. There is literally two people that their only job is to make sure the cloth works and doesn't bug out too much. So it's not something that is easily done. And so, sorry, so cloth would apply to something like a strap and a gun holding, or that's floating off the character or being held off the character. Right. Interesting. That's very interesting. 
Thank you for that answer. Yeah. Our next question is going to come from Gameslayer XYZ. And this is a very common thing that you see. It's out there everywhere. He asks, why can't Alibi's hologram also mimic the attachments on the gun? I mean, I personally have no problem with it, but my friend complains that he can't use sights if he wants to mess around with Alibi. Why can't they make the hologram match her outfits the character is using? Yeah, so I'll kind of, I think there was, I, I posed a question, This, and I've also seen it around a lot about everything about Alibi, right? So the short answer is memory budget and time and money, right? So if you looked closely at Alibi's holograms, if you really took a good look at them, you would notice that it is significantly less detailed than an actual character player model, even if Alibi was standing right next to it. There's less polygons in it, the textures are lower resolution, and the reason for that uh, is several different memory things. So one of the more complicated things are characters. They have lots of different texture sets. So like most of the time, a body has a different set of textures applied to it than the head does because the head has so much detail on it. And then there's, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of polygons that goes into a character model. And so if you put a bunch of them on screen, it starts hitting your frame rate. So imagine now you introduce three more character models on screen at once. It's going to start impacting people's performance. And especially, you always have to consider consoles. Consoles have significantly less power than a PC does, and you always have to take into consideration those things. And the Siege reason has said before multiple times that they will never do anything in the game that will make the game run slower than 60 FPS on console. And they've said a that a few times. That's a great thing because you want that steady frame rate for something like that. So what they do is they take the alibi model, the base model, and then they remake it into something that's less resource intensive. So they've consolidated all of the textures um, into something that's just color because it's like a hologram. It doesn't have to have other attributes to it like shininess and things like that. And they've also reduced all the polygonal detail and stuff. And that's why that's why it can't have whatever you're wearing, whatever your attachments are, whatever your guns is, because it is a single asset that is different than your character asset. And this, that's another thing I wanted to address is like, there's some people out there that act like, oh, why didn't they just think of this? And if you listen to how, first of all, give them the benefit of the doubt that they are intelligent people that are making this game. And yeah. they don't always think of everything that millions of people that play the game think of. But they are pretty smart. And if you look at the intention of how she was made, it was always to fool people. And that's not always how she's played today. But if you look mm -hmm. at what they were talking about and everything, the release, she was always meant to fool people. So I would guess and assume even that the original intent was for her to match everything about the character alibi but because of restrictions they just couldn't um also side note you might be asking but then how does um yana yana do yeah i was gonna ask you that so hers is an actual just a copy of her character it is just a one for one duplicate and they, they they do a little hologram effect, but then they they just spawn in a duplicate character, and that's why it has all the same animations. It has all the same functionalities. Basically, they've they limit some of them like pinging and and 
repelling and things it's like now that. Now a thing, I think you can ping now, correct? Yes, with in your, the test server. server I think. Uh, you don't run into the same memory issues. One because it's only one and not three, and also you almost never see both Iana and her hologram at the same time. Um, so you have less risk of impacting your frame rate. So when 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 there's characters in a in a game setting and they're all there the the memory is really only impacting you if you're seeing them all at the same time is that correct yes so okay so i'll i'll break down that real quick so a game engine what you are seeing a game engine only renders what you are seeing on every frame if you could see in a, an external viewpoint literally everything else in the world disappears if your camera isn't looking at it um and that that just is part of the reason why it can make all of these things so efficiently it can basically draw the whole of what you see 60 times in a second or faster that is okay so so for example if i'm attacking consulate garage and it's reinforced and i'm sitting there laying down the game isn't it's not rendering anything inside the garage if the garage is still reinforced except what you can see through the drone hole is being rendered but then as soon as the garage door opens it renders just exactly what your camera can see and literally nothing else yep so one of the first things that game engines do is basically it it's kind of like the camera asks the game engine hey what can i see from here and then it does something called a draw call where it 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 calls every asset that needs to be drawn on the screen i might be a little incorrect about how that actual language is used there. But it basically says that these are all the assets that are going to be used on the screen. And then it, and it shows the camera that, and then it does a bunch of other things to make it render out. I won't go through everything because it's super complicated and I don't know nearly enough about how things are rendered to actually explain it. That is okay. See, there's actually probably a lot of people that already knew that, but that is something I didn't know. And that's actually really, it makes sense though. Yeah, I don't, I don't think like people actually know that like i think people assume because games are so immersive that like oh yeah the things that are behind me are still there if i turn around i can see them but it's literally every frame uh it asks what can i actually see and then only renders that stuff so it doesn't have to render anything else and sometimes you can you can catch a game where like if you turn really fast or if you come around a corner really fast i don't think this happens in siege but some other games you can kind of catch this especially if it's running uh poorly uh, things will pop in on screen like props and assets like bushes and trees and things like that As, like i see this sometimes if you turn very quickly is those things will like pop in and that's because it's lagging it's you know, the draw call isn't coming fast enough huh. okay um our next question is going to come from six eyes and these are actually these are actually good ones that i'm excited for <laughs> so because of your background and because of the art that you do because you're a 3d artist Six Eyes asks, what little art details in the game have you noticed that impressed you from a technical or difficulty standpoint that the average person might not have properly appreciated? And on the other side of that, are there any small details that really annoy you that the average person probably <laughs> wouldn't notice? So I really like guns from their like artistic historical perspective. I think they're really neat bits of machinery and they have lots of history and that sort of thing. So I really appreciate the detail that every gun is crafted with in Siege, especially for the guns that are fictional, that are entirely made up. 
an example of this is Lion's Vector rifle. It has characteristics like the Vector SMG, but it's something that they made up. And it's cool because it's completely believable. Um, from what I can see, it could function mechanically if it was actually made. Uh, you would, I don't know that for sure, but it's definitely believable in that sense. So they really take the time to make sure that stuff is believable because that's like everyone talks about siege i shouldn't say everyone a lot of people talk about siege like it's a simulator that that every everything should be realistic but that's not really what games are what they should be what they should be and what siege is is it's believable and you get lost in it right and so it doesn't really bug you that you have things that disappear that you have holograms that you know this stuff that isn't really possible invisible echo drones yeah so it's it's believable though and because of that you can stretch reality and make it fun because if it was just what's could be actually possible it would be a lot less fun even even for as much as like reinforcing a wall you can't actually reinforce a soft wall in real life and have it actually stand up you couldn't yeah. imagine trying to drive like six pegs or like you know whatever is in reinforcement like 12 pegs through a wall simultaneously how difficult that would be and like yeah. in siege you just go bonk bonk and it's done yep and how heavy that thing would be to hold and to put down yep. there'd be no way but it's really no, yeah. cool because like you can it's believable because then you can prevent people from blowing holes through the the walls and like you can think of guns as being able to blow those holes through the walls and it's super neat uh that's anyway, back to the guns back to the question yeah so I really like the way that guns are made. Um, on the flip side, some details that I've noticed that other people might not, and that might bug me, uh, actually went out and took some notes. So let me see. I pointed one of these out to you, and it's on Clubhouse. Outside mm -hmm. the kitchen window, there are these vines that go along the wall. And some of them go along the ground, and they look great. It's like vine slash ivy, but there's this string that goes like a 45 degree angle up and the bottom of it is almost a sheer cutoff because the artist that designed it only made, it was made to go along the ground so you wouldn't see it because it goes into the ground. Uh, but then I assume the level artist was like, this was great. I just going to put it up on the wall. And if you look closely, there's this like cutoff on the bottom and it just bugs me. Yeah, it does. It does look... I would never have noticed it unless it was pointed out to me. But now that he's pointed out to me and I see it, I'm like, yeah, you're right. That doesn't look good. That's not what it was designed for. And that's kind of, is this, now does that kind of thing happen? Has that kind of thing happened in Mortal Kombat when you've been making something, you've designed it for a particular use and someone else used it a different way where you had to be like, hey, that can't be used that way. Like, has that <laughs> happened to you? Uh, I mean, yes. It. I mean, it happens everywhere. And most of the time it doesn't matter because the person that, uses it in a way you didn't originally intend uses it in a way that most other people aren't going to notice right because like the vine yeah. thing no one's going to notice that and so because of that it's fine it's used in a way that adds something to the level and it doesn't really break down until like you look closely enough at it and in games everything breaks down if you look closely enough at it so yeah. you know it always bugs artists when things get used weirdly or look wrong and not the way you intended uh but everyone else doesn't notice uh another example of this though is on consulate on the east side of the building on the outside there's the little stairs that go inside it's like the visa door is that right yes 
so there's pieces of the stairs that are broken off and the geometry on the in on that part where it's supposed to kind of be rubble all the edges are sharp which just means someone forgot to soften them and so these just really sharp uh edges where all the triangles are um and that's just a really technical thing that bugs me <laughs> um but in general there's there's the most frequent thing is there's something called z fighting which is when two pieces of geometry are exactly on top of each other they occupy exactly the same space and so the game engine kind of flips back and forth between what should be shown and so you see like flickering and that happens a lot on like hatches and stuff like that when you're dropping down um some where like walls come together or like little details that like the there's like a a molding that meets up with another piece of molding and they they kind of fight and it just that happens all the time in every game but it's it's also in siege so that's probably the most frequent I, thing that's something i have never noticed either i actually had a question myself which is about there's these shipping containers in outback that are all stacked <laughs> up and it spawns your drone up there and at first i thought so the these lines like on the top of the shipping containers on the corners it has like kind of like a I don't even know how to explain it, but there's basically a line that goes across the top of it. Mm -hmm. And the line is super, super crooked and squiggly. And at first I'm like, well, it doesn't matter because nobody's going to look up there and like see it. But if you're going to spawn a drone up here, it kind of does matter because it just looks awful. Do you, yeah. Is that something where at first the designers that made the environment was like, well, this doesn't matter. We're not going to worry about it. And then someone was like, oh, I'm going to spawn a drone up there. And they're like, no. So is I'm, that I'm, I'm going to guess because you always start with like, lower detail things and get higher details so even something as simple as like a squiggly line would start off straight usually right so that crate started with those lines being straight and then someone like moved them so that they were crooked and i would imagine it was either you know they wanted things the outside of that map is kind of like broken down uh or like weathered i guess is a better term yeah um we probably were trying to achieve a more worn look to that create a more weathered a more banged up look and so they thought that that would do it um and i don't know if they're looking at something it was it's possible they, they found some reference of a crate that was super banged up and got all i don't bulgy and squiggly um so either that or they they didn't have reference and just thought that that was um, a good thing to do. So it, it's hard to make uh, a call on that specific of a thing. Yeah. Do you, do you think that the person that like originally made the crate where they obviously would have made it straight originally, I guess, mm -hmm. do you think like they've seen it and been like, what in the world happened to this thing? Or do you think they like, do they know immediately what happened to it? Or well, do you think they're kind of mad about it? Or do yeah, you think what is, they don't care? What, what I meant is like whoever was crafting that crate, made all the edges straight and then went back right. in and oh went back in and moved it around so it's probably the same person i mean like sometimes oh. sometimes you do grab things that other people make and adjust them so that does happen um so it's it's possible that's definitely happened to me where someone's grabbed it and like made a change and like why did they do that um and sometimes it's for the better in your opinion sometimes it's the worst but i mean you know everyone is just being is doing what they're being told so uh, um yeah. no that's that's a good answer so okay we have a couple questions here um record needle vo matt and kimmy head um 
really about, and this is a little bit out of your expertise, but hopefully you have just being in the environment, Marian, you might have some sort of answer. So the question is, would it be beneficial to build Siege 2 on a different engine because the Anvil is getting old, or how hard is it to take the game and move it to a new updated engine? Um, another one is similar, it's talking about from a technical standpoint, how easy would it be to make Siege cross-platform or cross-generation? All right. Do you have Let any me... answers for those? Yes, I do. Um, I will answer the last one first because it's not a technical question. Okay. Uh, so... Obviously, there is work that would go on into making something cross-platform. It's not free, right? But the actual real sticking point to that is specifically Sony. Uh, I would say Xbox or like you know Microsoft and Sony, but really it's Sony who holds things up. Now, there are examples of games that are cross-platform, but it's only relatively recently. And it's only through lots of exertion from developer standpoint. Um, Sony doesn't have any reason to make to let things be cross-platform. They have the bigger market share, and they want people to purchase their console. So because of that, there's no reason for them to easily accept things, which is why more things than not get held up and don't go cross-platform. Right. Because right. it's a lots of no negotiation and things like that. I don't know if like things like Fortnite and Call of Duty and things like that, if they might have like special agreements uh, monetarily or other reasons to get things cross-platform. Um, cross-generation, no problem. No one, no, no console manufacturing is wants. They want people to buy a, a, their new box, and they know not everyone's going to move right away. And so it's beneficial to them to let people play cross-generational. So I would assume that that probably won't be a problem. As far oh, as yes. the game engine goes, how difficult is it to... Would it be beneficial to build Siege 2 on a new engine, or how difficult is it to update the game to a new engine? Sure. So a lot of people assumed that Mortal Kombat 11 got made on Unreal 4 because it looked good, and Unreal 4 is the newest version of Unreal besides the fact that they announced Unreal 5 kind of recently. But it's actually made on a heavily modified Unreal 3 engine, which came out a very long time ago. And the things that happen, especially in studios that make their own engines, game engines, is that they keep improving and changing them and updating them as they go along. And so at this point, the engine that siege runs on is the best engine for siege to run on now you always gain benefits from starting from scratch um you know there's always things that you want to improve that's not possible technical limitations so you at some point they will move to a new engine where they will start from scratch and that um but it's not i mean like a place like ubisoft makes all their own engines so it's Usually for things like that, it's more of a gradual change of just underlying under the hood things than it is good to go like step to step. Like a casual person would go from an Unreal 3 game to an Unreal 4, right? Right. Because that's an external engine that someone else is working on. There's all these clear benefits and you just move on. You don't have someone that's doing all the benefits that you want. Right. Um, so if you made a new engine... All the improvements that you would want over the old engine would make changing to the new engine hard. 
So if you, for example, wanted to port a generic unmodified game from Unreal 3 to Unreal 4, it's super hard because Unreal 3, all the assets that you've made, all the textures work completely differently than how they work in Unreal 4. And so you'd have to go in and change all of them or... Yeah, I think you would have to touch all of them manually or remake them to really gain the benefits of being on the Unreal 4 engine. Okay, let's do one more question from this technical siege questions, and then we will move on to aspect ratios, which is actually going to be kind of a fun topic. Um, so Glow Sticker Potato, this is um, from him. He says, I know they can't technically do it, but can you explain why you can't be on cams at the same time as the image in the back, as at the same time, I'll seeing what's going on in the background. So there's the frequent, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, you pull up your phone, you see like what's going on in your camera, but at the same time, you can still see like your screen and what's going on live behind you. Mm -hmm. Can you explain technically why that's not possible? Sure. So we already have the pieces for it for our, from our early discussion, right? Which is the game only renders what you can see. Now, what happens when you pull a screen up in front of you that doesn't completely take up your field of view, like what happens in Siege now, is that suddenly you can see two sets of things. And so literally you have to do twice the work, which is why there's such a big impact performance or performance impact. Yep. It's it 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 sound it's as simple like as simple as that answer sounds, it almost sounds stupid. That it's just that simple, <laughs> but literally you're rendering two things at once. Yeah. And that's going to kill. And it's especially for consoles, it will kill consoles. Let's move on to aspect ratios. So <laughs> and there's, there's just so much to talk about with this because there are so many players that play in a non-native aspect ratio. And this is, so just to, to make sure we all are understanding, if you remember TVs from, well, now it's like 10 years ago at least, you had the TVs that were basically squares, right? That's the old 4-3 ratio. They're mm -hmm. basically a square. That's 4-3. More recently, we've moved into 16-9 aspect ratio, 16-10 um, sometimes. But 16-9 is basically the at 21-9 movie theater. But you had that more like wide screen. Your, your monitor that you're looking at, your TV that you're looking at, more than likely now is a 16-9 ratio screen. Um, and that's normal. People in Siege lately have been, well, since actually Siege came out, they've been changing their aspect ratio in-game to be 4-3 or 5-4 or different 3-2, different random aspect ratios because they believe that they're stretching their screen and giving themselves an advantage over other players. Um, and this is this is super common. You go watch any, any of these pro players, you go watch them stream, they're, almost all of them are playing in the non-native aspect ratio. And it looks like the game looks bad. It wasn't mm -hmm. built for that. It doesn't look good. Um, so, Frazier, I know you know the, the history of this. Can you explain <laughs> to us where this kind of came from in the first place? Yeah, so there's an article that I've read in the past that I shared with you, and I'm going to read a quote from it. Um, the, yeah, and we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, the title of the article is the 16 by 9 versus 4 by 3 aspect ratio argument. It's, this is talking about Counter-Strike. Many of today's top players, and especially the most successful players from the early days of CSGO, when today's top players started, began their careers playing other games which were anchored to the 4x3 aspect ratio. In Counter-Strike 1.6, which was anchored in 4x3, the cropping effect was the opposite. Using 60x9, the cropped top and the bottom of the game 
while having no impact on the horizontal vision. As such, everyone used the 4x3 resolutions and carried their habits over to Counter-Strike Go. It should then come as no surprise that many younger players started by copying the settings of the best players, and the cycle continued. So the reason why people use 4x3 is because they saw someone else do it, who saw someone else do it, who saw someone else do it. Um, and it was it's rooted in Counter-Strike. Even Siege is affected by old Counter-Strike, which used to only be 4x3. And people were forced to use 4x3 and then got used to it and then didn't change. And then because they're professionals and they practice all the time and they're good, uh, people copy it. And there's the article even references professional players that say, like, I wish I could switch to 16 by 9 but I can't. They're so used to it. Yeah, so this is this is literally, it's like for them, for these Counter-Strike players, it's a comfort thing because they were forced to play this way and then trying to go into 16 by 9 it just looks weird to them and they can't play that way anymore because it just looks strange and they're not going to risk anything to throw their game off even in the slightest amount. So mm -hmm. they're going to purposely go 4 by 3 because that's what they're used to. That's how they want their it's not how they want their game to look, but that's how they're used to their game looking, and they want it to be that way for when they're playing professionally. They don't want to lose anything because, well, my screen wasn't how I'm used to it. So, yeah. You did, you did a bunch of testing after we talked about this. So yes, I did. did. I, I, yeah, so I didn't, at first I didn't believe you. Like, I read this article, I was like, yeah, that's, like, that's a good, that's a good point. Like, I mean, even sensitivity in Siege, so many people have all their different sensitivities you all these pro, pro players they have their sensitivities and a lot of them have 83 ads sensitivity because that's the one-to-one -one ads when you're like ads versus not ads it feels the same so they have all these things and everyone just goes and copies like oh i'm just gonna do this because this is what this person does so that's that's best and no like what you're comfortable with is best and so i crazy sent me this and i went into game i spent it was probably 1 a.m when i started until 3 30 a.m i'm just running tests and changing my FOV, changing my aspect ratios, taking screenshots. And then another day went by and I did the same exact thing for a couple more hours of like taking screenshots, testing, going around corners, trying to figure out like, okay, is there an advantage to having a four by three aspect ratio? The short answer is no, there is zero advantage to having a four, three aspect ratio because your FOV, when you, when you take your screen and you do four, three, it's zooming in the sides of your screen and stretching everything to fit it. So you're you're cropping off two of your sides and you're stretching everything to fit it. And so when you do that, you're basically taking your FOV way down where you can't see anything. So what these players do to compensate is they go and they turn up their FOV, which in turn makes everything further away. So basically, if you would just play 16 by 9 and use a lower FOV, stuff mm -hmm. would look same exact size but larger actually because they're vertically taller so i did my own testing and i looked at what you did too and i think there's two ways of looking at this if you keep your fov the same between both ratios you basically lose about a third or a quarter to a third of your information from your peripherals and then it, the mm -hmm. image gets stretched sideways to compensate so you yep. just lose information. Now, if your argument is that the people look bigger because they're stretched, you would accomplish the same thing by decreasing your FOV and zooming in on the image, right? They would be bigger. 
But the benefit is they would also be taller. So not only would they be wider, but they're taller, right? So they're even bigger if you zoom in your FOV. Now there's yep. there's another. So you found that there's like a special number between if you you can match the ratios and FOVs, uh, so that the the sides of the image match, right? Yeah. So it's about so from four three to sixteen nine, it's about fifteen or sixteen FOV points. So for example, if you're at seventy six FOV. Four three, the same to see the same on your sides of your screen. That would be sixty FOV and sixteen nine. Right. So the other way of looking at this is if you if you compare images and you match your FOVs so that you can see the same amount of information on your peripheral. What four by three does, or other aspect ratios that squish things, is it squishes more stuff down into the frame so you can see more vertically. But like, do you? Is that so critical that you need a little bit more vertical information? Like, it's not worth it to do that. Right. And that's that's never the argument, right? The argument yeah. is never, oh, well, I do it so I can see more vertical information. It's always, well, it makes people look bigger. Mm -hmm. and, and no. The thing is, if that was the art, if four by three was so good, five by four would be better. And that is an option in the game. You can go turn it on. If you think stretching the image is so much better, then stretch it further. Zoom in more. Decrease your FOV. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, so if, if, if your real goal is to make players larger, then going 5x4 with 60 FOV is 100% the best thing you can do if you just want to make people bigger in the middle of your screen. And you can try to make that argument and say, well, I'm always going to be looking in the right spot. Then go 5-4 and go 60 FOV and the stuff in the middle of your screen will be larger than any other aspect ratio and FOV out there. But at the same time, when you play like that, you'll realize your side, your peripheral vision is almost literally nothing. Like, yeah, you can, it's like basically having a horse, with the blinders on like, which, which is why no anything. one plays like that because everyone realizes exactly. you need, you need to almost no one ever plays all the way zoomed out and almost no one plays all the way zoomed in because everyone realizes you need somewhere in the middle. So just use an FOV in the middle instead of squashing your your ratio. Yeah. Instead of making your screen and your game look dumb, just change the FOV because you're not doing And I, I looked at all the pro settings to make sure because the only way that it actually makes sense is if you're using 4.3 FOV or 4.3, sorry, if you're using 4.3 aspect ratio and your FOV is below 75, at that point you can't accomplish the same size of targets in 16.9 because your FOV is so low and you're stretching them. But I looked at all the pro settings. All of them have an FOV of like at least 80. All of mm -hmm. them are at least 80. And they're all most of them like 4.3 or 5.4. Or and in that sense, you can do the same exact thing in 16.9 with just like 65 FOV. And you're seeing the same on the sides. The stuff in your scope is larger because it's taller and your game doesn't look dumb. So I want to come back to why pros use that setting. But you did find one difference between... It the ratios and your FOVs. And it has yes. to do with the scope, so, right? Yep. So when you're zoomed in, the larger FOV you have while zoomed in, you see more inside your scope. So for example, if I'm 4.3, 90 FOV, and I'm looking at a sign, my scope can see like all that sign, like a little bit around it. If I go to 69 and go to lower FOV, like the same to match the sides of your screen if you weren't zoomed in, when you zoom in on the sign, you do lose a little bit inside your scope. And at first I thought, okay, well, I guess you're getting more inside your scope this way. 
but nobody's nobody's saying that nobody's saying oh this is why i do it to get more no you're not saying yeah, that i mean you don't really need additional peripheral information inside of the scope you don't usually because you're what you're doing whenever you will notice this when you're playing siege you're creating your own wall for the scope when you go around the corner you're not having the wall of your scope be like where you're turning the corner you create your own wall of the scope when you bring like the middle of your scope to the edge of the door frame and you start going around a room, right? Like mm -hmm. you're the one that's creating, you're basically putting your scope in half when you do that. And everybody does that because it's the smart thing to do because you want the center of your scope to be on the person when you first see them. Right. So that's also an irrelevant argument to try to make. <laughs> so why do pros try this? And I think it's, they're always looking for an edge, right? Everyone is always looking for a little bit of an edge over others. And right. it's a placebo effect. If you think that something will improve your performance, it just might. You might be that little bit more confident to take the gunfight and you might win it because of that little bit more confidence. Uh, you have the fun thing of your tracking your heart rate on your stream. Like when your heart rate elevates like that, you lose fine motor control. And if yep. you are more confident, your heart rate will stay lower and you maintain you maintain your your fine motor control. Uh, I compare it to in baseball, there is something called a cork bat, which is illegal. Um, it's basically where a the center of a bat is drilled out and cork is put inside of it. And the reason that it's come up because some players have been caught their bat bust open because it's weaker and there's cork inside and it's been tested and cork bats are worse than regular bats but some players thought they were better and like maybe their performance was improved but it literally did worse for them but it's a mental thing, right? If you think right. something helps you, it might. Uh, it's like when you change your sensitivity, it takes time to try to get better with it because you've changed it. You've changed what you've been used to this whole entire time. And now you very well might do worse at first until you start getting used to it. Anyway, that's. I think that's a good topic of discussion for aspect ratios. We won't dive too much deeper into it, but it's just, it's very, very interesting to see um, so many pros use this and talk about this and after rigorous testing we found it doesn't actually do anything so mm -hmm. let's move on to the discord discourse so this discord discourse came about by toronto will he brought up the, the comment about skins and if there was maybe an option so that in the game you could say i only want to see default skins and you can't see any other skins because i can't tell who either i can't tell who the operator is because they're wearing like a hazmat suit and there's like five different operators now with a hazmat suit or they're they blend in with everything behind them or a really recent one jackal's headgear looks like a freaking toaster <laughs> when he's behind certain objects or even lions i actually had the problem um yesterday last night we were playing border and lion's headgear from the mute protocol event i did not know was a head like i saw him and i for a second like my mouse went to it and like i stared at it and i was like wait and i froze and i was like no it's just like a lamp or something and he started shooting at me i was like no that was lion that sucks i didn't see him because i thought his head was not a head Mm -hmm. And it was literally because of the headgear. And when stuff like that happens, it is frustrating. Needless to say, it doesn't happen super, super frequently, but it does happen. So we have some comments here from different people. And I think actually 
and I'm I'm so in the middle of this one because while yes, I am very, very, very annoyed with some of these designs at the same time, skins and stuff like this are they're what support the game at this point like yes they still make money off sales yes they still make money off season passes but they're making more money off of cosmetics i would assume yeah they are selling the game let's be real cosmetics pay the bills that's just facts that's what is allowing siege to keep living yep um so and i i have spent money on cosmetics so that I know that this is Ryan spent like $60 for the showdown <laughs> cosmetics. And that's that's buying the game like two more times for the and price that he originally like, bought it at. The game doesn't even cost that much anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So cosmetics really are paying the bills. Um, let's just start with a comment from Rio Stylo. He says, I think definitely for ranked, as it's more competitive and it matters more if you win or lose. So being able to toggle off skins would be useful. For casual, I don't think there should be an option. Casual is rubbish anyway, so it doesn't really <laughs> matter. Um I, I will say I don't like making thing more things like, well, in ranked, it's this way. In casual, it's this way. Because I, I almost want those to be as symmetrical as possible. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, with ranked, you have ranks and ELO that matters and all this stuff. But uh, it, like, yes, I, I agree with you. Like, yes, in the competitive scene, I do hate when something like this attacks me. But I, I don't like the idea of like making it only for ranked or for, and not for casual or something like that. Yeah, I definitely see his argument because you want ranked to be as competitive as possible, but you also have to understand that the majority of the, well, a good chunk of the most engaged people in the game play mostly, if not exclusively, ranked. So yeah. the people that are probably buying the most are wanting it in ranked. Yeah, they want it's to actually, show their ranked. And, and that's the thing, right? Is when I have my skins, I'm not buying it for myself i'm buying it for everyone else to see it like toronto will he he says i enjoy collecting uniform skins and headgears as much as anyone and if the other people wouldn't be able to see them it would diminish the perceived value of collecting a skin it allows me to put my sense of style and personality into my ops in the game i love the bedazzled cali headgear i was playing in some competitive leagues for a while and felt devastated that i had to unequip some skins that i really loved skins that conferred no competitive advantage just to adhere to a rule the whole point of my equipping a uniform or headgear is that other players can see it because I can't see it at all, which is true. Like I get to see it on my operator selection screen or not, not even that I get to see it on my, like in the main menu operator screen. <laughs> and then but other than that the end screen, if you win. Yeah. At the end screen, if you win and you're playing that operator, like <laughs> that's the only way you're seeing it. So <laughs> it almost is just like, well, I'm not going to buy any of this stuff if people are just going to turn it off. Um, and it seems like this is... And where, where do you stand on this whole thing, by the way? I... In a perfect world, it would never be a distraction. And I don't think anyone would disagree with that. But the thing is, is that you need money to keep developing the game. So right. I've come down on keep the skins in, keep them in every mode, because you have to have that income to continue to make the improvements that we see. And like, I like the skins, I do. (laughs) Like, so that's, skins are an improvement to me, but even if if you were a pure mechanical, you just wanna see new ops, new improvements, new maps, then you should be in favor of skins 
because if you if they went away so would the game the game would just start dying because no money right i i and this is the problem with this right it's like once you turn those off then you're not giving people the and this is what all these i mean everyone we're looking at here it's boopsie uh, glow stick potato they kind of say the same thing like you kind of need it in the game to fund the game but at the same time it also sucks when the game's competitive and it loses you so do you think from an artist standpoint, do you think there can be some, I don't want to say blame, but at the same time, can there be some blame put on artists for making skins that are so, like, like the jackal headgear in the line, I bet you they didn't even think about it. I'm sure. Like, I I would not have thought about it when I was, if I were an artist, I would not have thought, oh, this is a metal head and it's going to look very bad in certain areas. Yeah. But do you think there can be some, like, hey, we need to look at these skins before we start putting them in the game and we need to be careful with certain things uh yes but also on the other side the most egregious skins are the ones that are just camouflage the the ones right. that just happen to blend into cer- certain maps and they they were just made as a like oh this is an alternate camouflage and then it does what camouflage does and blends in <laughs> right yeah it it, it does it, it, it's funny camouflage blends in um <laughs> There's so now there's there's this other thing, um, which is another possible solution. I'm curious how, and I don't know how I feel about this, but the idea is to have like colored silhouettes around the edges of enemy players, so like not not crazy super bright, but something where you can tell like that is an enemy that I'm looking at and not just like nothing. Do you think that ruins siege in a way where like because there are times where I'm laying down in a corner and I'm expecting them to just kind of miss me because I'm laying down in the corner. Mm-hmm. Do you think that ruins Siege, or do you think that's a good solve to the problem? Because there's, I mean, it's, needless to say, there are times. I mean, we see screenshots in this Discord discourse of like, yeah, people are literally invisible. Like, there's one of Vigil in games and Outback, and literally, you would not notice that this is a person at yeah. all. Like, I, I saw an image once. It was just like, you have 15 seconds to find the operator in this room, and it took. I didn't see it. I took like maybe a few minutes to try to find him, and it just there were some weird camo. Uh, against a mattress and i just didn't see it that is insane so Uh, what do you think about this silhouettes thing it's it's a tricky question because as soon as you change something so fundamental um on one side you're gonna like it because like oh people are visible on the other side you're gonna be like oh that guy shouldn't have seen me and so you're always gonna get hate no matter what you change uh from a developer standpoint from just a player standpoint I don't know. It's it's a hard question because sometimes you want to be on both sides, right? Sometimes you want to hide. Sometimes you want to see people because you're face checking. It's right. it's it's a catch twenty two. Yeah, I, I this is this is something that I think could be tested in a test server mm-hmm. um, to kind of see. And there's there's some ideas here. Um, uh, Silver Silverworth twenty three said silhouettes while ADS would be perfect, not when hit fire in game though, which that's actually not a bad compromise. Like if I'm yeah. going to walk into a room and someone is lying down in the corner and I don't see them, that's on me. But if I'm ADS, like turning a corner and there's a head that doesn't look like a head, I'm going to notice it's a head because they have a stupid headgear on. Yeah. That's honestly um, the the best solution I've heard about that. Yeah. I like that. At least, some, you know, worth trying. And again, it does not happen very often. The, I, the most recent one I can remember obviously was last night, but before that, I can't remember another recent time that this that this happened. I mean, Toronto Will has a picture of an ash that totally just perfectly blends in with the background with how she's crouched. 
Um, I remember when that happened too, but I, I originally voted yes on this, but, and the, the total votes, by the way, 20, 25, it was 25 yes and 10 no. And I just put my vote on no. So it's 24 <laughs> yes and 11 no and four shrugging. So I think there definitely is something that can be done towards the, I think it's an issue that can be addressed. Our next Discord discourse is from Justin Frazee and his <laughs> idea is what we can do to make shotguns on attack more appealing yeah so so on defense like on defense shotguns are viable because you use them to reconfigure the site and then you can hold really close angles and have the advantage because of their high damage output but nobody brings shotguns on attacks unless they're memeing because they're really hard to use in that context. So I want to know what people, what ideas you guys have to change shotguns just for attack so that you would be more tempted to use one. Yeah. So anyway, that's, this is going to be an interesting Discord discourse topic. What can we do for shotguns on attack that won't make them overpowered, but maybe more use? them listener questions the big lq this is one of the most exciting times of the podcast this is where you put in your questions in the discord or you tweet us at r6 unannounced and we answer your beautiful questions i have to say twitch is good twitch is great if you're not watching ryan or me stream when we stream siege you are missing out on a really good time follow me just hello with three o's on twitch and youtube ryan is ryguy w-r-y-g-u-i g-u-y on twitch and youtube crazy is there any social media or anything that you want people to follow you at uh you can find my art on ArtStation. just search my name justin frazy uh you could also play my game mortal kombat 11 and if you're interested in D dungeons and dragons you happen to be uh my wife and i are making a podcast called science of D, &D and it's pretty cool um it's not a playing most of the podcasts out there about D, &D is about people just playing We're, we just talk about science questions and stuff about D&D. And currently it's not on iTunes or Google Podcasts for whatever reason it's taken a long time, but it'll eventually get there. It will eventually get there. We can tell you it will be there eventually. <laughs> it does make it. So that's Science of D&D podcast that will be in the show notes and his art. Good stuff. Our first one today comes from Delta V Delta 5. He says, "Would you like to see a campaign mode for the game with all the backstories for all the operators?" I think Ubi can make an amazing campaign. What potential do you think there is? So you weren't here for the co-op campaign, were you? No. So the co-op campaign was really cool. It was kind of left for dead. Uh, you shot a bunch of zombie, basically. Um, and it was super cool. And I think it was a big hit. And this is why, like, Rainbow Six Quarantine is being made. Um, although we haven't heard anything about it recently. I think there's a Ubisoft Direct sometime this week, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, maybe we'll hear, hear more about it. But I am so looking forward to it because I think that's the perfect thing is just a co-op campaign uh, with the characters and utilities and stuff of Siege, and I would be all about it. So this one's from Glowsticker Potato, and he said, the Logic Bomb, the Logic Bomb podcast had JD... Uh, and he said, Habana will be getting some love soon. And I think JD was one of John the... John Baptiste, I think, is who he's okay. referring to. Okay. I have two speculations. All I know what 
this mean? One idea I have is that she would get nine pellets in a square form, or the other one would be getting increased ammo capacity on her gun. What do you think? Um, I think a really easy way to to buff Habana if they wanted to is to just add more ammo to her gun. <laughs> um, the gun is already powerful, but I think definitely if they just added more ammo to it, like or more more rounds in the clip. Cool, magazine, yeah. I, yeah. I play Habana a lot, and I love her gun. It's so fast firing and, and steady, and it rips people, and I love it. Um, and it has twenty one bullets, and I still kill a lot of people with it. More bullets would mean more kills. There was there was one time I don't even remember. It wasn't too long ago. We were playing on chalet. I was the only person alive. Diffuser down, playing outside the garage, and three people up, and all three of them ran out one by one out of the garage, and I killed the first two and ran out of bullets. Couldn't kill the third one. Uh, lost the game. Not the game, but the, that round. Round. I do um, remember that actually. I, I'm the thing is I'm always in favor of changing gadgets. I want to see like gadgets change a little bit as opposed to guns. I wouldn't be opposed. Well, the thing is I don't I don't think hard breacher hard breachers should necessarily be fraggers. So yeah. I always you should use them as support roles. Uh, so making them more of a fragger, not super a fan of. There was this rumor going around for a long time whoops, that um, they were going to change her gadget so that you could select the amount of pellets you could yeah. go on at the same time, Yeah, uh, which is an interesting change. Uh, but yeah, I think I would be more in favor with a gadget change if they were going to change her um, at all. What if, what if they just added another set of six pellets? I mean, that would be a big buff. I've, I've heard what you, what you think about four of anything this is true yeah four <laughs> is a number that's not good for siege <laughs> you I get like to four, it gets to be too much um moving on to our next oh by the way glow sticker potato just made it into the podcast questionnaires club so welcome in glow Congratulations. he can now submit voice questions if he wishes um but he is he is there Okay, Zero Skill says, one of the main reasons, as I understand it, that consoles do not have the test server is because of the platform holder certification process. The devs want to push through a patch into the test server to fix a minor issue. It has to go through the certification process, therefore delaying the update, which is true. Um, since it's more difficult for consoles to have a proper test server, what do you think about the possibility of a new map being brought to console build during the test server for PC? So basically, this is going to be like a discovery kind of playlist that's only there on the weekends. And this is basically to give console something while PC is able to play the TTS. Um, I While this, I think, would be cool to give console something while PC gets to go and play the new season before everybody else. <laughs> the problem is you're you're now taking time from them to make a map that's not actually in the game and just to give it to console just because they don't get to play TTS, which is only for them to test things and to fix things. And no. also, I would want—I'd be jealous. <laughs> I'd also want that on PC. And yeah, I want that, it on PC. I, like I said before, I think the builds are pretty close. So, like, I don't know if that's even possible. And the the, the real reason why the, the the test server doesn't come to the console is because they have to patch it really frequently, and patching on consoles costs money and is more complicated. Because you have to also deal with an external company, Microsoft or Sony, to do it. So it's slow and expensive, and that's why you can't have the test server there. So this is by French Fry Bucket. How do you feel about the window above garage on Chalet? I think it will be broken. So it's talking about the rework, I assume. Yes. 
So Rebert Chalet above the snowmobile garage, just the the basic garage that you normally go through. There's now a window right above it. So there you before you had those windows like all the way on the very top above it that went across it. They tried to like throw C4s through and stuff, and you had to like you kind of had to get it the right angle to get the C4 kill. Um, now there's a just a barricaded window that you can actually like rappel into. You can walk. You can vault into because there's a little ledge right there. Um, and people can vault out of it. They can just throw C4s right out of it very easily. And he's wondering if we think this will be an issue. Um, what do you think? After playing Chalet on the test server? Mm-hmm. So we played a lot of the event. And I really like the window. I think this is interesting interaction. It lets you... On defense, it it provides danger, right? So before, mm-hmm. the only option you had to prevent people from getting to the garage is running out games and hoping there wasn't a claymore, hoping there wasn't someone watching. And you would get detected before you got to be able to peek them. And right. now there's two windows where you can try. There's a runout window, which is uh, in library. Um, if you don't know, there's like a little balcony. You can jump out the window, walk out to the balcony, shoot, jump back. And then, then there's the one directly above the garage. The reason why I think it's so interesting, though, is because it, it also provides opportunities for the attack. And one thing I did frequently is you take Sam Fisher, you repel upside down on that window, you open it, you put a camera right on the floor, it's soft, right by the garage wall, and you can see what's going on and also take batteries out if you want to or need to. Yep, it's, uh, I think the window is actually good. I, I was concerned at first, but you can actually get pretty good angles on the window just from way behind it, or like defenders aren't super safe just going to the window and throwing out a C4. Like, yes, it can happen, and it will happen, but it's also a danger to them to try to approach the window. Like, it's going to be watched. And there's angles, there's angles to the window from like the balcony um, that goes into like office of second floor. You can hit out one of those windows and see that window and watch someone walk up to it. So it's not the safest thing, and people will learn to play with it, but I think it will be, I think it'll be fine in the mm-hmm. long run. Honestly, more often than not, I found it more advantageous for attack than it was for defense. Because, um, another reason yeah, is honestly, if you needed to, main stairs was right next to it. You could jump in the window and go down main stairs, get a different angle onto the basement. 100%. That's, and that's what happens sometimes. They, they realize they can't get through and they're just like, I'm just going to go in the window. And all of a sudden they're in sight with you and you're like, oh, shoot, they're here. Like they're on main stairs already. They're coming through the window. Um. No, I, I think it'll be good. This is for those of you that haven't been able to play this map because you're on console. This is an exciting. Hopefully, this season comes out on Wednesday. That's what it's looking like, but we don't. We're not 100 percent sure yet. But this is, it, it's a good map. It's fun. Hopefully, I can read the next um, one. Formalitis as well. Yeah, go ahead. So, thoughts on a buff to Warden? If so, what would he gain? Be better at? If not, why? I think he needs a big buff or maybe even a rework because he's one of the least pick ops and there's a reason for that and we agree with you (laughs) we just talked about warden needs some sort of um buff i think i mean obviously he's getting the one and a half time scope i think another thing is maybe just making it so that his ability of seeing through smoke worked better like you move just a tiny little bit and all of your vision goes away and it's like i I just want to be able to see through the thing that i'm supposed to be able to see through like i want my ability to work right um so that that might be like a nice buff, but I think he might need some sort of full rework. Yeah, I th- I always played around with this idea in my head that it would be interesting if he was the only defender that got to use a smoke as a secondary gadget. And I think 
that could be, especially if it was a different color and it was obvious that, oh, this is definitely a warden smoke. I think that might be right. interesting. It might be overpowered, but it could be cool to play around with. Uh, we have three questions from three different people. Two are six, attack wolf, anglo stick, or potato. I'll ask how I got my name. Um, they're not talking about the name Chris. They're talking about just hello, by the oh, way. No. Are you sure? Because I'm pretty sure. <laughs> They, they all do say how did you get your name chris or, how did you get your name chris chris how did you get your name but they're referring to just a little um so i i got my i think i told the story on the podcast a very very long time ago mm-hmm. now I, I will make this quick but there's so many new people listening to the podcast that you deserve to know why i'm just hello with three o's i ryan had a at the time it was really it was just his girlfriend his wife now she came over to visit us and i was like 12 at the time. 12 or 13 at the time. And so I was just like young kid. That was purposely. Yeah, basically. (laughs) That was like purposely bugging them and like whatever. And I would just, for some reason, it came to my head. Like every time I saw them, I'd just say, I'd say hello. And I'd say, just, just hello, just hello. That's all I would say is I'd purposely just say that. Or like they'd be like, they'd go outside, like be alone to like talk or whatever. And I'd purposely (laughs) like go out there and be like, hello, just hello. Just being annoying, right? Just being annoying 13 year old. And then I was making my Xbox name and Ryan's like, why not why don't you just make it just hello? I was like, okay. So ever since then, it's been just hello with three O's. Because it's actually like just hello. That's how it's pronounced. Um Yanuk says, now with the new map ban feature, what are your least favorite maps that you are excited to be able to ban? I will one hundred percent say Outback will be banned a lot of the time. Yeah, they're reworking Chalet, so it's really just Outback. I, it's weird because like I was initially very in favor of Outback, and I think there are strong pauses about Outback. The one being it was really easy to learn, and it was it was very strong level design, and like every area looks unique. It just happens to come out to be really defender sided, and that's painful. Yeah. Uh, and it, unfortunately, you can't really know that until you play the map a lot. Yep, it's 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 true. Um, I also it's a lot of it's going to come down to like what map I've just played last. Like if oh, yeah. we just played theme park and theme parks in rotation, I, I'm going to vote for theme park. Like I don't, I says, and I'm going to vote to ban theme park because I don't want to play it twice in a row. Honestly, that's probably going to come up way more often than a specific map. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I see Outback, it's more than likely I'll ban it. But if we played Theme Park two times in a row and it's it's Outback Theme Park and we had just played, I don't know, Oregon. I don't know if Oregon I would probably make sure Oregon stays. But I don't know if we had just played like another map that came up, I'd be like, oh, let's just play Outback because I don't want to play these two again. I mean, that I feel like that would be hard to happen, but <laughs> it might. Mm-hmm. Possible. Um, do you want to read our next one from Doc from Rainbow Six Siege? Sure. So what would what would you think about shotguns receiving a speed buff like the one pistols have? I will say this, Doc from Rainbow Six Siege. I think you should go and put that in the Discord discourse for this week because I don't want to dive too much into the discussion, but I think that's actually an interesting topic of how you might be able to make shotguns stronger on attack. Okay, that's actually our last question of the podcast. Um, we love the community involvement. We love the podcast questions. Love the Discord discourses. Join the Discord. Search Unrenowned Discord in Google and you will find us. You'll find our Twitter at r6unrenowned. 
join us for Wednesdays, Wednesday nights. We're going to do three matches, me against Ryan, and we're going to have the community with us. We're going to do five on fives. It's just going to be like a regular ranked match, by the way. There's going to be operator bands. It's not going to be up to eight like Pro League. It's not going to be points off. It's just going to feel like ranked. Um, I mean, it'll be more fun because it's going to be community driven and me against Ryan. Um, again, my team will be winning. Yeah, and if you can't play, come watch the streams. Uh, Chris has yeah. been getting a good following because he's been streaming a lot recently and has gotten affiliate. I have gotten affiliate. I have 17 subs right now, so it's it's a good time. It's really fun. We have I have my heart rate live on the stream. Um, yeah, come and join us at It's Just Hello with three O's, twitch.tv slash just hello. Um, Ryan is Ryguy, W-R-Y-G-U-Y. And give a look to Ryan. Watch both streams yeah. at the same time. It's really cool. You, you could do that. You could do that. Um, Crazy, is there anything else that you want to add to the podcast before you're gone forever? Just goodbye. Oh.